Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Trouble Brewing Podcast. I'm Steve Sharp. Today, we are here again at Secret Sagittarius Brewing. And my guest today is Jacob Beal, the, uh, one of the managers here. I've known Jake for quite a while. Our history goes back to uh, old school world of beer. At least 12 years now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a little over 12, because I think it was July of 2012 they had the soft opening. I thought, or was it thirteen? Uh, it's either twelve or eleven. Uh, well, I, I think it was 12. twelve. Yeah, 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 probably that. I'm thinking it was twelve. So, not that I'm positive, but there was uh, a lot of drinking going on. <laughs> in those days, so. Just a little bit. Yeah, you were one of the uh, one of the original bartenders there. Good group of uh, of girls and guys over there. Great times. Loved working over there. Oh, yeah, that was truly some of the happiest, best times I've yeah. had bartending. Well, that that original. That original group of bartenders there, and just see the 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 vibe back when it first opened. Uh, it was it was just great. You know, I've tried to explain it to people that even though, and I think they just franchised. Yep. But still, it was their local. They I think part of the part of the uniqueness of it is they brought it back home. Oh yeah. They started in Tampa. They brought it back home, and so. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I would think they put a little bit more effort and thought they, into they did. this. Yeah, yeah. because uh, whenever they first started with everything, they had two weeks of beer school. So you had four hours, five days a week that you had to uh, go to school, learn origin, the type of beer, the colors, the ABV, everything with a particular style. And at the end of the first week, you had a 100-question test that you had to make a 90 on. The second week, you had a 200-question test that you had to make a 90 on. So, it, yeah. they uh, <laughs> At the other stores, from what I was told, it was 80. You had to make an mm-hmm. 80. And this store and the first one, they had it a higher standard. Yeah. Well, I believe that because everybody back then was very, very knowledgeable in beer. That so. they were, man, because they made us all take the uh, Cicerone Level 1 beer class yeah so yeah if you didn't uh do well on that you had to keep going until you passed it and otherwise uh you weren't around yeah for very long exactly sure. because yeah. yeah. uh you have your true beer nerds start asking questions and you look like a deer in headlights and it's uh it's a bad feeling it's, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of embarrassing to say the least i was never a beer nerd and i've always wanted to take that course and i should probably just go ahead and do it for the heck of it maybe i can get a job here you know. there you go yeah um, maybe slinging some stuff beer. hey why not you know i'm retired so I have plenty of time on my hand, uh, but no, I you know I'd, I'd go in there after work, get in there for a happy hour, and you know come I across knew you, what you or needed, yeah, cause, you uh, or Patrick, and well, me in particular, you know how I like yeah. to get down. So as yeah. you would come in, I would be like, "Well, Steve, I got a new IPA," and then I would leave out the ABV just to yeah. make sure that I got you right, whether you wanted to or not. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, you. I, I always, when you had that certain little grin on your face, <laughs> I was like, okay, this should be good. But back then, they had the uh, the loyalty club. And then that's, uh, I, I that, honestly feel like as soon as the loyalty club stuff started going away, that's when uh, the hardcore customers mm-hmm. like you and everybody, not, not that you were a raging alcoholic, I'm not trying to yeah, say that. The regulars. Saying, the regulars, <laughs> the guys that kept your doors open, the yeah. people that were, uh, yeah. everybody knew your name, like yeah. the full on yeah. cheers experience. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. But once you start taking away points and stuff that was driving people to uh, drink the different stuff, like mm-hmm. some crazy wild Eastern European beer that they've never heard of and probably tastes like rubbing alcohol, but they got a point for it. But now yeah. without that point, there's really no reason to spend $15 on something right, you don't right. know about. So, right. Yeah, and the rewards. And I don't want this to sound like we're bad-mouthing you. I'm just I'm talking about the change down oh, there. Yeah, of course, because um, I still love those guys. And 200 oh, yeah. South is still a great location. Oh, it is. It is, yeah. And I, I don't want it to seem like, but just that original, you know, that original, original group, the vibe down there. Everybody got along, man. It was oh, yeah. just like a good, cohesive unit, and everybody was buddies. We all stayed and hung out and drank afterwards. Well, it was like a neighborhood bar, and, you know, you just kind of made the reference to Cheers. But, yeah. no, you had the same people coming in there every all day the after work yeah. and on Saturdays for football. You know, it was – now, you had a lot of other people, but 
especially if you were looking at the bar at the far left end of the bar mm-hmm. that's kind of where all of us you know loyalty members oh hung yeah because that's where yeah. the the new release cooler was yeah you'd pull right up and be like yeah what ipas you got in there yeah what kind of sour you running yeah and i i think i got up to uh i know it was over 1500 i think it was about 1700 and I am on the, and they still have the loyalty royalty chalkboard up there, which is, you know, that's nice. Yeah, because I mean, it was high functioning alcoholic. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. you had to get there, get your points, and at the end of the day, as long as uh, you were still functioning. Oh yeah, at the yeah. end, that's and, all that really mattered. Yeah, and and you know, I I always was, but as were most of the people in there. Mm. But uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, so that's how we first met. Now you're down here. Yeah, I've been, uh, technically this is the third company that I've worked for in these four walls. It was uh, Sweet, and I worked here back in the day there, and worked for Big Top, and now I'm working for Secret Sagittarius, so it's like I pretty much come with the building at this point. Oh, okay, yeah. You're, yeah, you're I, a fixture. I'm an add-on, for sure. Okay. Now, what was Sweet? Was that the kind of nightclub Sweet type was the thing? nightclub. They Th- had the... That was uh, in between a couple of Mexican restaurants. <laughs> yeah. In between, uh, well, there, I want to say it was like the Screaming Coyote or something to that effect, and then it was Sweet, and after it was Sweet, it was, I think, the Soup Kitchen... And then after the soup kitchen was Taco Mez, and that lasted. I remember Taco Mez. Yeah, yeah that lasted for a little bit. And then um, I think it sat dormant for a while until Big Top came through and mm-hmm. put their thing on it. And then they just uh, they were done with food, and we were too far away, so it was just easier for them to sell this location and be done with it. And it's working out well. It's nice. Yeah. <clears throat> no disrespect or anything to those guys because i love them still and yeah. they do great stuff it's just food wasn't their jam beer was so yeah. they're focusing on what matters and what's making them money and they're doing well at it so cheers to them and their new facility that they're building down south and we still have a good working relationship with them mm-hmm. um josh will come up here every now and again and hang out and shoot the breeze say what's up whenever they drop beer off and stuff so it's still a still a good relationship with those yeah. guys well that's good and when did they open here uh, Secret Sagittarius? No. When did Big Top? Big Top? Uh, it was before the COVID ridiculousness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that whole nightmare. <laughs> um, it was, I want to say, 2018 or 2017. They lasted, uh, it was about four and a half years or so, something okay. to that effect. And then uh, I came in six months into Big Top being a thing and uh, just started out two shifts a week, still working part-time over at uh, Aragon Cafe at the same time. And with Nick and Corey and all those guys over there, good stuff. Yeah, and uh, I guess I didn't know you worked at Aragon. Oh so. man, I'm I'm a fixture of quite a few places. Yeah, in yeah I miss that. So, yeah, geez, man, yeah. I started out uh, at Fish House uh, two weeks before my 21st birthday as a busser, and then uh, this was before the deck was even a thing out back, wow. and wound up just crushing that and they were impressed with everything and i got to skip being a server and went straight to being a bar back as soon as they opened up the deck and ran that for a while and then they uh, made me a bartender and from there on it's pretty much just been different bar jobs or gem jobs or bars and gems at the same time just like to be busy yeah and you definitely are and uh, going back to big top coming here Everything that had been here lasted maybe six months, yeah. six to nine months. Sweet, I want to say it was about two years, but I think oh, I really? only lasted okay. about a year or something along those lines yeah. and went and found a different route because uh, it was taking a little bit too long for me to get in behind the bar. And it was like, well, let's boogie on out of here. And mm-hmm. around about that time, I went and worked at a Marcus Point golf course, uh, Marcus Point Grill, before it became Iron Okay. I want to say it was like my last two weeks there was whenever I was about to be iron, and then that's when I started at World of Beer. Okay. Yeah, I think what helped Big Top, once again, I'm not a restaurant or bar expert, but I think what helped them is they came in as an established brand. Correct. So they didn't have to come in and, and develop uh, build you know, a customer up. base or whatever. They, you know, they already had that, and they had their operation in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. And are they anywhere else? I forget. Um, so... Uh, the original facility was in Sarasota. They started out in the back room of a warehouse, and then the following year they took over half of it. The next year they took over the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I want to say it was year four or year five for them that they decided that they were going to extend out. And um, 
seeing as how Lewis, or not, yeah, Lewis Bear was uh, their furthest in Florida distributor. They uh, decided to open up a restaurant here and they thought that they could plug and play. So they set that up here. Two months later, they opened up the Gainesville location and they were running it like that until uh, the owner of their building sold it out from under them. Then they absorbed uh, Naughty Monk, uh, moved all their brewing equipment over there and bought a tap room in Sarasota called Cock and Bull. And they redid that place. I actually went down there when before they had done that and we actually drank at cock and bull it was a tiny little hole in the wall spot but mm-hmm. once they bought it they redid it and the place looks incredible they um do a lot of live shows i want to say they had a uh, remember that band lit mm-hmm. they had them there they oh, wow. had um some other i don't know i don't keep up with those singing shows where yeah. blah 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 whoever it was from that show came on there and did really well down there as well so they pull good musical acts and uh but they sold this location um february 1st to the new owners Mm -hmm. ed and jen and then uh i'd say it was about a month later they just outright closed the uh gainesville location stripped all the brewing equipment out of there brought it down south so that way they could focus more on brewing beer like even their new facility that they're building they're not staffing it themselves. They're going to lease it out because they don't want to screw with food anymore. So oh, okay. they're, they're strictly beer people yeah. and okay. stick with what you know. You, you know, I mean, yeah. that makes sense. So I think they got a local uh, food truck down there that they're partnering with that they're going to need like a um, essentially a brick and mortar location for them to lease out. So that way they'll still get money from it, but they don't have to deal with the headache that is yeah. restaurant. And it seems like a lot of breweries are going that way with food trucks. Yeah, with the food truck thing will save uh, save your ass a lot because as far as like keeping your guests around, that definitely helps because mm-hmm. you start catching a decent little buzz and it's like, man, I need something salty or crunchy or something mm-hmm. to fill this belly up before I head out and go do anything else. But the, uh, I mean, having food just makes sense because if you look at what happened with COVID, Mm-hmm. If we have any more stupid shit like that that happens, then we're going to wind <laughs> up being, uh, like, if you don't have a restaurant, yeah. you're screwed. Yeah. And that's going to knock more businesses out. And at the end of the day, man, like, we need those businesses. We need people to have jobs in the moment. Well, that something yeah. crazy like that happens. The people that actually want to work are going to be out there and they're going to go do it. But it is well, what it is. Hopefully we won't shut down society and the economy again. But that that's another conversation. Florida, man, it is. We'll keep running it. <laughs> yeah. You know, Nick put in his uh, microwave oven, or was it a toaster oven with his toaster pizza oven rolls? With his Totino's uh, pizza rolls. Yeah, man. and Mike down at intermission got one of those Seven Eleven, you know, rollers, hot dog yeah, rotisseries. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're serving food. So, I mean, you think about it. When you got your average guy at the house drunk, what's he gonna make? He ain't gonna put in a lot of effort. He's gonna throw no, some no. pizza rolls in the toaster yeah. oven, and yeah. better not be the microwave because yeah. you can get soft, and it's like, get that shit out of here. Yeah. Well, the thing was, they had to serve food to be exactly. a yeah to restaurant, so that open, that was yeah. the main purpose there. But anyway, so you mentioned the new owners. Um, yep, they Ed seem to be doing a really good job here. And yeah, um, Ed's keeping track of all the numbers and advertising and making sure that uh, all the merch and all the stuff that we need to have for the actual building itself and the business is running. And then Jen. And she, you can't speak enough about her. She's, I would, I would call her essentially a modern day Renaissance woman whenever it comes down to it. Cause wow. she got her, well, I mean, she was born here in the States, lived here till she was two, moved back to Thailand until I think she was like 18 or so, moved back with her dad. Her dad had a Vegas uh, restaurant in Vegas, Thai restaurant. And she learned all of her stuff from there while she was going to school. She got a uh, accounting degree from UNLV. <laughs> then she wound up uh, learning Thai food. She has Indian family and she has Chinese family. So she knows some Thai food, or she knows a lot of Thai food. She knows some Indian food. She knows some Chinese food. And then during COVID, she took a 13-month French baking course. So <laughs> she's starting to melt. Dude, it's incredible. Wow. But she's melding Asian stuff with American stuff, and it's turning out awesome like she made uh last month we had a special that was uh strawberry cream cheese and ricotta cheese rangoons this month we have bananas fosters wontons 
Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to get some of yeah, that. Yeah, bro. It's five bucks for three of them. So it's like, yeah, yeah. let me get six, please. Yeah, yeah. Fat yeah. boy needs like two orders, please and thank you. But yeah. it's little wontons with uh, banana, brown sugar, I think caramel, regular sugar, something else. And then she puts a pecan on it and then wraps it, then deep fries it. And she puts a uh, cream cheese, ricotta cheese, like whipped cream in the middle to dip mm-hmm. in it. Spectacular. Yeah, I'm such good stuff. Yeah. I have not made it here for Thai Thursday yet. So yeah, dude, I gotta do that. Oh yeah, she uh, she makes this. Uh, it's like Thai beef jerky. It's like big thick pieces, like sh- string pieces of steak, essentially. And it comes with a sauce and then like a little something else on the side. Mango sticky rice is a dessert. <laughs> Wildest stuff, like a warm sweet rice and then cold ass fruit. Like the way that it goes in your mouth with the cold and the hot at the same time and then the sweet and it's it's great so that's not something that runs all the time but whenever she does bust that out it's totally worth it and then curry is always awesome pad thai can't beat that so her food like if she screws up on a sauce Mm -hmm. she won't even put the whole dish out like she'll do something else like that's how dedicated she is to the perfection of it yeah she's she is a badass. Okay. Yeah, I definitely need to get over here and try that. And, oh, and she not run? that Ed's not a badass, too. Like, it's just he's a sales guy, and he moves oh, yeah. sales. He is numbers-based. That's yeah. his whole deal. So, but she works the kitchen all the time. It's not just Thursdays, correct? Yeah. Correct. Uh, I, I well, thought that's what he told me. Well, she she runs it, basically. Well, that's like, what we I have, mean. Yeah, yeah we have our kitchen I mean. manager, and yeah. she is back there if needed, but she does a lot of stuff up front, too, because the accounting degree she runs those numbers a bunch too so it's it's a double fail safe essentially having both of them looking at numbers and stuff so thank god because i am not that guy (laughs) are you helping with any of the brewing right now i help every now and again if they need me to but between uh trying to run the front of the house here uh i'm here barking at 50 hours a week sometimes like usually 45 is where i try to stay at because uh I have another 10 to 25 hours a week with home renovations and my animals. Yeah, we're going to get into your animals here in a minute. <laughs> I just forgot what I was going to Oh, yeah, talking about the brewing. How many beers have they brewed here now? Um, currently on tap, we, well, we technically have six. We just ran out of the seventh. It was uh, the Papa's Brown that we just ran out of. Mm-hmm. But we have a tropical shandy that we just uh carved up and we're kegging today and and we have a thai lemongrass basil wheat beer that's coming out um in a couple of days after that and then we will be kegging the brown on wednesday as well so that will be back in stock probably by thursday if not on wednesday and uh Let's see, we've done three different runs of several of the first beers that we did because it started out, we knocked out the um, Krispy Kreme mm-hmm. white donut stout, for, or Which not was Krispy Kreme white donut stout. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Let's just throw some donuts in a beer. Yeah. And it works. Oh, yeah. It really did. I mean, uh, we got second place in our very first beer competition that we entered in. So we had that one. And the other two that we had in there, they uh, still finished in the top 10. And I think out of like 40 or 50 beers, something to that effect, of the people that came. Mm-hmm. And that, honestly, man, it's really impressive. Junior, he's uh, never been a brewer before. And Josh uh, from Big Top taught him a good bit and was here for his first three brews. But every beer since then, he's still done really well at, man. Like the Brown... I would absolutely enter if we were into a beer competition. Mm-hmm. That's the beer that I would enter in for like a traditional English brown, mm-hmm. and I guarantee it would be top three. Wow! So that uh, the peach sour that we have on tap now, spot on the Angel's Potion Pilsner. It's a little bit higher in ABV than what a lot of people that drink Pilsners would like it to be, but at the end of the day, it's still not that bad. It's like six and some change. But either way, if you're sipping on it, not a big deal. And the shandy that we're putting out is going to be four percent yeah. so that'll be a good summertime easy drinking yeah yeah, yeah i just don't do shandies <laughs> see you gotta be a true beer lover steve like there's one style i don't like and that's roush beers because yeah. 
smoked beer, man. I don't want to drink it smoked beer. It's yeah. like liquid yeah. ashtray. I don't like scotch either for that. Yeah. Well, what was it? Anyway, God, it's been 15 years ago, I think, when the first, was it Lining Google? Lining Google, yeah. The first the one shandy. started popping around yeah. here, yeah. And uh, tried one of those. I'm like, no. Oh, man. No. I, so all the beer nerds or beer people or whatever that are going to call me as uh, basically say I'm blaspheming what, of, what I'm about to say. I like to mix drafts. Mix drafts works out well. So I actually take a quarter of the lemon shandy mm-hmm. and then add three quarters of the Krispy Kreme beer to it, and it makes it taste like a lemon-filled donut. Mm-hmm. Spectacular. Because sometimes yeah. that, that Krispy Kreme beer is a bit too sweet for some people, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Let Daddy show you a little trick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to add some of this. The citrus will cut out the sweetness, and then they try it. They wind up loving it. And it's... Essentially a dessert beer, but at the end of the day, if you cut out the sweetness, the diabetes goes down a little bit, yeah. and then it works out better. Yeah. Well, you guys used to make beer shots down at World of Beer. Still do, man. Still do. Love uh, the beer shots. Uh, yeah, they, they take they, the pain away a little bit yeah. on a Friday and I, th- night, I think you know? the uh, the most uh, frequently requested one was the Tasty Beaver, that it was. if I remember correctly. If, if it wasn't the Tasty Beaver, it was the uh, Red Dragon. Okay, I don't know. I'm sure I had that, but. Well, you did. It was the uh, Frambois with the Golden Drop, that 10.5% uh, Belgian uh-huh. Strong Dark. Yeah. yeah. One of those ones that'll. Uh, yeah. What was in the Tasty Beaver? Tasty Beaver was also Frambois. That was actually a. Well, her last name's Luna now, but Melanie Luna. So her name was Melanie. Uh, I can't remember her maiden name to save my life now, but um, it was Frambois, like a. Probably about a quarter of that, and then the rest of the the mix was going to be um, uh, the a white wheat and a cider. So depending on what white wheat or cider you had on, mm-hmm. it vary a little bit, but for the most part, it all yeah. tasted about the same. It yeah. was essentially a fruit cocktail. Yeah, no, it, it was. It was good. It was pretty strong. It was what you would expect from a <laughs> shot. So uh, even though it was a beer shot, so uh, going back to your animals. Yeah, let's get zoo. into that. My little yeah. zoo, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what all are you raising now? Well, or do you uh, call them raising that or <laughs> cultivating? I don't. Yeah, whatever works. Propagating. Really. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm definitely doing that. They're yeah. definitely propagating. Yeah. So, um, I currently have three dogs, two cats, a leopard gecko, a chameleon, an Egyptian egg eater snake, a Sumatran short tail python, an eight foot boa constrictor. Currently, 112 ball pythons with 26 eggs in the incubator <laughs> and a 10 by 16 barn with anywhere from 1,200 to 3,000 rodents at any given time. And I did have <laughs> 60 quail. I did have four ducks. I did have four chickens. But the hawks and foxes and whatever got the ducks and the chickens. And I went on a cruise and didn't have anybody to watch the quail. So butchered those guys off and ate them so they were delicious <laughs> so i take it you don't you don't live in east hill mm, 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 mm. <laughs> funny enough whenever i actually first got into snakes whenever i only had like under 30 the guy that i would buy my rodents from lived in east hill he mm. had a room or a building behind his house and he had a Upwards of 275 snakes, something along those lines, wow. and a shit ton of rodents as well. But I would think most of his neighbors in East Hill didn't know that because you know how the East Hill yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. folks are. They, they tend to, uh, was that a gunshot? <laughs> <laughs> what did I just hear? Yeah, uh, yeah he, uh, he didn't have any problems because he kept everything up on the up and up. And uh, the only thing that became an issue was when him and his wife had separated and he didn't get to come back to the house to take care of the animals and then stuff started dying and then fwc and whoever else came through collected everything up but yeah at the point that everything started dying started smell yeah people <laughs> people then smelled the that yeah. yeah east yeah. hill people knew what yeah. the deal was at that point yeah. so yeah. yeah other than that man yeah we live out in pace so i do sell the rodents and the snakes as a my own little side hustle it's it's fun. It's um, ball pythons are one of the most genetically diverse species on the planet, and there's well over seven thousand different combinations of genes. And the more uh, recessive and/or rare genes that you put into a snake, the more valuable it is. Like there's a guy in Georgia, a couple of guys in Georgia actually, that are 
They have snakes that are worth $50,000 as babies. Jeez. As a baby. That's not even an adult. <laughs> so, And I mean, they, they sell it because you have collectors, then you have other breeders, and then you have your hobbyists, and then you also have just your random person that thinks that snakes are cool. And it's like, well... They're truly one of the easiest, especially ball pythons. I like I've got a couple other species and I've messed with some other stuff like but ball pythons are really hardy. They're not as fast as like a corn snake is. And truthfully, man, I'd rather get bit by a snake than get bit by a puppy or a cat any day of the week. Their teeth are like tiny little hypodermic needles and you wouldn't even know that you got bit until afterwards, but that dog bite or that cat bite tear you up man oh yeah sharper i wouldn't say they're sharper teeth but they're wider teeth so it feels and bigger there's a lot more pressure correct yes. did i ever tell you about the time oh. i got bit by one of our canines at work no yeah, okay that's another story <laughs> yeah. um unintentional yeah. Uh, well of course it yeah a guy ran from me and i'll just do the short version went, went out to the woods right there at fairfield in 98 and mm-hmm. We're out there. <clears throat> Anytime a canine goes on a track, somebody goes along with them because right. you know the handler is watching the dog. So you're watching out for the handler, handler and, the, and dog. the dog. Yeah. Anyway, we run across a guy, and I end up getting bit <laughs> as he's going for the bag. There's more to the story, but I'll well, talk about that later. Yeah, I'm sure. And I tell you what, those canines, their jaw strength is—it's uh, crazy. But, yeah, I I assume it's better to be bitten by a snake unless it's a poisonous snake. But you don't handle poisonous snakes. All right, Steve. Well, I'm going to have to go in on you real quick. So if it's poisonous, if you bite it, you die. If it's venomous and it bites you, oh, okay. you die. Yes, okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I I'm you sorry, sir. but that is no, the no, pet no, peeve no, for I me. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. There, I, but to that answer, there is one snake, maybe two, I think, that are actually poisonous. There's one in Cuba. I'm yeah. not sure if there's a second one or not, but the one in Cuba, it eats ants, and the venom or poison or whatever from the ants becomes its poison okay okay so i'm not sure if they're venomous and poisonous or if they're just poisonous because of what they eat but yes um i do not keep hots because we do have kids and other animals and such but i did keep uh well hots is the uh the term in the industry for venomous snakes Mm -hmm. but i kept what i called milds hognose Hognose are a mildly venomous species of snake that are native to the states, and you can have them without having to have a permit because getting bit by them is essentially like a bee sting, Mm -hmm. but they're rear fangs, so you're essentially going to have to let them chew on you to get back to the back of their mouth. So they eat frogs, lizards, bugs, crickets, stuff like Mm -hmm. that, so nothing to worry about. And their cute little upturned noses are... (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm going to call snakes cute. Now, yeah. I know a lot of people hey. won't, but, you know, it is yeah. what it is. I love all animals, not just the scaly ones. They're all my, my jam. But yeah. spiders, they can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Food for your snakes and your rodents, huh? Oh, not even that. I don't even want them near me. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. one. I'll pick up a scorpion. I ain't touching a spider. <laughs> don't want it. Don't want it. How big do your pythons get? Um, ball pythons are a... Uh, relatively small species not to mention that they're also very docile like um if you find them which you shouldn't find them in the states wild unless some irresponsible ass left them let their snake out but um they max out typically at about five foot for a female about four foot for a male and that's it man like they're called pet rocks in the industry because they don't really move much they Mm are an opportunistic feeder so whenever they're in the wild they actually will find like a termite hill or something to that effect and they'll go post up inside there and wait for enough food to come through and then once they finally eat enough food and they poop in that hole Mm -hmm. it smells like snake poop so the rodents and whatnot won't come in there so they have to leave and find another hole to go post up and so they're very very sedentary and being a um, cold-blooded animal their metabolism's uh, predicate What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Their metabolism is based on how much heat they take in. So the hotter they get, the faster their metabolism works. Mm -hmm. I had a snake that didn't eat for me from the time that I bought it until 16 months into having the snake. That's crazy. (laughs) I know. It's just like, oh. Did it lose weight? 
Um, yeah, it, it lost 400 grand. It was a 2,600 gram snake. I got it from a guy in California. And as long as they're not losing weight fast, you don't mm-hmm. really have to worry about it. And over a year and a quarter, it only lost 400 grams. That's yeah. really not much in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Like if you have a baby that doesn't eat for a long time, you either got to force feed it or it's going to die. Mm-hmm. So, and I know it sounds stupid, but some of them do not know how to eat. So they hatch out and I had one that I had to force feed for six months because he would not eat. Well, I won't say force feed. I'll say assist feed. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's, uh, it's a process as well, but it's, uh, it's all part of loving animals, man. Like as long as you put the love into them, they're going to, at least respect you back Mm -hmm. you know it's like that's why i always tell people i like animals more than people because you know where you stand with them a little bit better than you do people somebody's gonna look at you and smile on your face and that snake if that snake doesn't like you it's gonna try and bite you and you know it's gonna try and bite you but those people eh, you don't see their bite coming yeah no you don't a lot of times you don't so how big are the babies when they're born um they might be about a foot long okay somewhere 10 inches to a foot and they're skinny like this year uh i had a female give me four eggs it was her first clutch and uh one of the eggs was bad so well i say she gave me four eggs she gave me five technically four good eggs one bad one and then the next female gave me seven eggs and for about another month and a half i didn't get any more but then i got one clutch then two weeks later i got another clutch four days later i got another clutch and then about another week and a half later, I got a fourth clutch that I wasn't even expecting because I didn't think this female was going to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's um, from the time that they are laid, you have approximately 60 days before the eggs hatch. Mm-hmm. So um, for the majority of pythons, you're looking at uh, egg birth. And with the majority of boas, you're looking at live birth. But there are a few in both that switch them out. And even though live birth is technically live, they're actually in eggs just like we are inside of our mothers, you know, like yeah, yeah. that whole deal. And then they wind up uh, coming out live. There's just a lot messier with boas. Yeah, it sounds well, <laughs> All yeah. the juices and fluids that come out. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, mm, yeah. that's a mess to clean. Yeah, so. I, I delivered a few babies back in my paramedic days. Did so. you? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I didn't even know that. See, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm learning a bunch about you today, too. Yeah, Shit. yeah. We actually, we had to do a clinical at uh, L- the L&D uh, department at Sacred Heart. Okay. And then um, I think I delivered two in the field. But that was crazy. Like yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. even know where. Well, the the thing about about delivering babies, you know, if you're in the hospital, you have everything there that you need. When you're in the field, you're you don't. It out. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. I mean, basically, you're you know you're you're playing catch, making sure the airway is good, and getting them to the hospital. So sure uh, mom's all good. My and luckily I never had an issue in the field because that's a problem. If if you have a if you you know if you have a breech baby or prolapsed uh, umbilical cord something like I mean it's hard to deal with that in oh, the field. There were things we could do, but it was so do much. the best you can. <laughs> yeah, but my thing was get there if they're pregnant and if they're actually in labor. It's like get her in the back of the unit. We're going. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Use it with her. You hold all the stuff that we're, falls out. I'm going to be <laughs> driving us. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. So yeah, yeah, uh, interesting. So, how many snakes do you sell a year? Um, you say? Honestly, for me, like for the longest time, it was more so a hobby than it was anything else yeah. because I, I just enjoyed it, man. Like creating beautiful things with just the color palettes and because there's certain genes that do uh, color effects. There's others that do pattern effects and then there's some that do both. And then you have enhancer genes that just really brightens and cleans up the whatever genes may be there. And Mm -hmm. they make it last until they're adults. Because a lot of times, just like with us, we get older. We essentially with the snakes, it's called browning out because they kind of get dull. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing. So certain genes, though, keep that from happening or delay it. So you're looking, I mean, they're a... I wouldn't say a lifetime pet, but they're a, they're not a short amount of time. Like short end, maybe ten years, but on the high end, 
20, 30 years. Oh, okay. The longest on record, I want to say, is 44 years. And it's... Oh, wow. What I was going to say earlier, I completely forgot. The reason why snakes are, like, the best pet, in my opinion, personally, mm-hmm. you feed them once, maybe twice a week. You know? Like, once you yeah. get them started, they don't make noise unless they fart, which, if you didn't know, it's pretty loud. It's kind of... <laughs> no, I had no... <laughs> yeah, I'm sure okay. you didn't, because yeah. nobody would think about yeah. it. But, yeah. It's uh, it's an experience. We were... I say we, as in me and my girlfriend, we were laying in bed, right? And... This was, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half, two years into our relationship. We're mm-hmm. laying in bed. Did you hear that? And I was like, no, what was it? Somebody's breaking in the house. I was like, no, they're not. We live in a, no, no, it ain't happening. That ain't happening. She's yeah. like, I swear. And I was like, okay, well, if we hear it again, I'll go investigate. Yeah. Well, I hear it, and I'm like, oh, that was a snake fart. She's like, no, it wasn't. You're, you're, you're BSing me. I was like, no, I promise you I know exactly what that sound is because I've heard it. And she's like, I don't believe you. So I'm like, all right, let's go in here. So we go and we're listening. We're sitting there. And I was like, Bruh. and I was like, oh, see, that's it right there. And she's like, didn't believe me. So we walk up to the exact tub and I'm like, I guarantee you I can point it out because I don't know if it's something that always happens, but every time that I've seen it, it always happened. Their mouth is wide open hmm. and their tail lifts up. So I don't know if they're just forcing <laughs> air through just to push it on out or what. But being in plastic tubs, it reverberates. So it sounded yeah. really loud. So yeah. she thought somebody was breaking into the house. But, I mean, think about it like this. It, once it gets beyond a hatchling, as a juvenile, you can feed it every 10 days. So you're looking at um, if you buy your rodent from a rodent breeder, at a juvenile size, you're looking at maybe a dollar fifty to... 250 oh, every 10 days to feed the snake not to mention you change its water out two three times in that time mm-hmm. frame they might poop once or twice a month they don't make noise outside of what i already mentioned mm-hmm. and you don't have to take them for walks right. you can go on vacation for yeah. two to three weeks and yeah. leave your snake alone and it's totally gonna be fine yeah totally fine so at the end of the day if you want a cheap easy way to Teach your child the responsibilities of having a pet. Like, if they want a pet, Mm -hmm. get them a reptile. Get them a snake, man. Lizards, certain lizards, though, a lot of extra stuff. Like, Like bearded dragons, if you give them the too much calcium supplement, that can give them neurological issues. If you don't give them enough calcium at all, that'll give them MBD, metabolic bone disorder. So their bones start to essentially turn to dust inside their bodies. If you don't have the right lighting... If you don't feed them a balanced diet of vegetables and insects, it's like, man, I don't want to do all that. Let yeah. me get a snake that eats rodents or whatever and then chills. Yes, that's the right animal for me. How does a reptile that needs such such a specific diet, how do they survive? In the wild, it's provided wild. for them. Uh, but, I the mean, UV- how do they know... Well, they, they don't I, have to. Well, UV get, lights. The UV light from the sun. Yeah, but I'm talking out. about the calcium. Calcium. How, they do, get how, do, how do they know they're getting enough calcium? <laughs> so that, that calcium supplement uh, is a filler for the lack of UVA and UVB light that oh, they okay. wouldn't get. So okay. that's where that supplement comes into play. But like a leopard gecko, they you can just put like a little water bottle cap in their uh, enclosure, mm-hmm. and they'll go get calcium as they need it. Like oh, okay. uh, yeah, it's like all right, well. That or you can dust the crickets or whatever you feed them in with the calcium powder. Keeps it going just fine. Um, like chameleons, though. Chameleons got to have the UVB lights. And the chameleons, man, those lights, they only last for about six months. And they are, depending on what kind you get, if you get like a normal light bulb looking kind, mm-hmm. you're looking at 30 bucks. But if you get one of the longer, like halogen looking bulbs yeah. or whatever, yeah. $60. Wow. A pop. Yeah. Wow. So it's... It can be costly depending on how you want your setup to look. And if you want the basic setup, but you get your animal out and you play with it on a regular basis, mm-hmm. you're going to have a well-mannered, chill animal. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, but it's just like I tell everybody when they're like, the very first question when they find out how many snakes I got, have you ever been bitten? And I'm like, well, yeah. If anything's got a mouth, it can bite you. So yeah. at that yeah. point, it's, it's like. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. And it's like you got, snakes are animals. I'll say animals are just like people. You got some snakes that are awesome, and then you got some that are assholes, just mm-hmm. like people. You don't mm-hmm. know what you're going to get, and it's like, well, here we are. You know, bad attitude. You can keep them and deal with it, because bad attitude usually equals good eater. 
Oh, and if you're trying to breed, you can keep your shit attitude. That's fine. As long as you keep eating and you make me beautiful babies, yeah. we're good to go. <laughs> and um, how many rodents do you keep? Oh, man. So that fluctuates. Sometimes uh, during are the hot months. Mice? Are we uh, talking mice? So I had, and for everybody that does not know, there is a massive difference between mice and rats. Mice are not yeah. rats. Mice yeah. are their own species. A lot of people don't know that. Because like, oh, well, I just thought a mouse was a baby rat. And it's like, no, baby rats are baby rats. Mice are mice. Mm-hmm. So um, I was breeding uh, mice rats and African softbird rats but the ASF I only had two colonies of those and they chewed on out of their tubs so if that happens even though I keep my facility safe I cull them all off and I haven't bought any more to get that started but they're a sen- they are the candy for the species that I breed hmm. because they um, that's what they eat in the motherland you know so okay. ASF come from Africa mm-hmm. ball pythons come from uh, Ghana Togo, and I want to say one or two other areas that are like sub-Saharan Africa, and uh, that's what they eat over there. So usually you you don't want to keep them on those if you don't have a regular supply, mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't breed them, and if they do, it's usually because they keep ball pythons, and that's what they have, and if they get stuck on something... You can look at a snake that doesn't feed, and if it doesn't feed, and if it's part of your breeding program as opposed to just a pet or something that you're going to be selling, you do better by not having it on ASF because of the fact that you may not have it in your area, maybe harder to get, maybe, not maybe, they are definitely more expensive because it is harder to get them up to size. They can kind of be crackheads too, so like they'll, they, <laughs> I say that and it sounds funny, but they... They're super fast, and sometimes they bite, but I had lucked out, and I had a seriously sweet colony that did not bite. And then the other ones that I got from other people weren't necessarily biters, but they can be, and when they bite, they bite super hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Mice are the ones that seem to bite more, and they stink worse. Rats are, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say either top five or top ten smartest species in the world. They're very, very intelligent, very personable. And a lot of people give them a bad rap because the whole Black Plague thing and everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was old news. It's not yeah. any time. Right? It wasn't their fault. Exactly. It's not like they were going out there intentionally yeah. trying yeah, to. Yeah, you know, people <laughs> are just being dirty. And then rats are like, oh, there's some dirty stuff. I'm going to go eat it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah, society was much dirtier back then also. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much, much dirtier. Unsanitary. Yeah, the whole uh, no running toilets and such oh, yeah and tossing your feces out in the street people forget really that you know sanitary sewers are pretty new Relative, to society yeah we were some dirty individuals bro I mean, like, people really you know the beginning of you know the 20th century is really when that first came around <laughs> streamlined so. the process at that point you know it's like, wow. i mean it's only been around for about a, and that wasn't everywhere that was you know, <laughs> that just, was if you had money otherwise you had the outhouse my grandparents yeah um they lived in bellevue like they didn't have uh, indoor plumbing as far as like a toilet went until I want to say like 83 and I was born in 84. So it's well, like where in Bellevue were they? Um, uh, you know where the big curve on Blue Angel is? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you make that left right there in the middle of that curve mm-hmm. where that trailer is. And if you went to the right, my grandfather owned the junkyard that was there for about 45 years. Okay. So yeah. that was by far the biggest funeral procession i have ever seen in my life like i felt bad for the people that were stuck oh there really because oh it was like a 35 40 minute procession because hmm. i mean he born here to like i'm fourth generation my great-grandfather moved over from scotland bounced back and forth between here and uh texas and uh grandpa worked in the navy shipyards <clears throat> i think for like 15 20 years something along mm-hmm. those lines and then bought a bunch of land in the bellevue area and uh Put a junkyard out there. Like, hmm. Had his own. Uh, Is it the one that's still out there? Yeah, yeah. My uncle um, right at uh, God, not Pipeline Millview What's, Road. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Millview. the old Millview Road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's I know exactly where you're talking man. about. Okay. Yeah, because uh, he sold like one corner of the property, and some guy bought it and put his own junkyard there, and then that went away, and then they put a family dollar or yeah. Dollar General. There. Yeah, that's one of those. Was. Yeah, is there so, now? So. Yeah. And uh, if you went to the other side, that was Huntsville Avenue and like 
pretty much all my family had like land or my grandpa gave his kids like an acre of land wherever they wanted it and i had my uncle across the street a cousin two sets of cousins two lots down another uncle across the street and then another cousin over there and my aunt lived down uh, i don't remember what the road is but it was dirt for forever and then they wound up paving it um, yeah, that, Klondike. That, Klondike that describes Road. <laughs> yeah, Klondike Road. Back in the yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually, uh, I grew up, uh, I mean, we moved here when I was six. We ended up over in Bellevue off of Patricia Drive. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was all, when we moved in there, they were still building houses. I moved there, uh, I was, I think, fifth grade. So I was there from fifth grade, you know, through high school. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, and, and that area has definitely changed. Oh yeah, um, man. Which kind of surprised me. That was a good area to grow up in. I mean, there were woods all over the place. You know, we, especially in the summer, but on weekends, we'd leave in the morning, be back at night. Man, you know, best, we'd be man. out in the woods. We had forts Making everywhere. Trails. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Me, me, and my cousin burnt like a thirty by thirty area behind his house down because we were out there. We had dug a. What we thought was sufficient, six inch deep fire pit, and we were we cut down multiple uh, pine tree saplings, and we were going to make a teepee, mm-hmm. and we were going to camp out okay. out there. So we were yeah. like, "Yeah, let's start a fire." Not a good idea with all the dry pine. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Everything. Thankfully, some neighbor ran over with a fire extinguisher and put it out. But man, we were. I thought I was going to get wrecked oh, by yeah. my dad, but my dad was like. Well, son, it looks like you're uh, pretty scared and exhausted. I was like, yeah, Dad, I'd like to take a nap now. And this was at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like 10. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm scared enough. Let's take a nap. So yeah, yeah. I went out for the yeah. count at that point. But um, So did you go to Pine Forest? No. Um, so I went to Beulah. I went to Wedgwood for sixth grade. We wound up moving out to Molino in the middle oh, okay. of my sixth grade year. Uh, but I still wanted to finish where I was at. So I finished uh, sixth grade at Wedgwood and then went to Ransom and went to Tate after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went to Pine Forest. I was in the third graduating class from there. Oh, yeah. My, my bro- first year I went to Escambia. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my brother and sister went to Pine Forest. My cousin went there. Like, pretty much my entire family went yeah. to Pine Forest. It was a good school back then. It was because uh, when I was at Escambia, that was those right in the midst of those two or three years when they were having the riots, mm. when they got rid of the rebels as the mascot and. <laughs> Jesse Jackson ended up on the front lawn one time. Shut up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. I had no clue about yeah. that. Like and I, then somebody got shot there. I mean, in the leg. It was yeah, It was just, it, it was. That's a lot. It was crazy. So when they, when I found out I was going to Pine Forest, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Sweet. I'm good. I'm good with that. So anyway, okay. Uh, well, I think we can wrap it up here. Yeah, uh, man. We'll have you on again. And Hell, yeah. It was a good time, man. Yeah. I, uh, it's all bar talk at this point. You know? Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. sitting around and shoot the breeze. So yeah. I talked to uh, Patrick Rollins. Oh, yeah. From another from original the, the, the second. No, he is in the second wave. Oh, I thought. Okay. Nope, he was, like, I thought he was. Okay. The After two weeks of being open, they started doing hires again because oh, okay. we were getting just. Man, like when World of Beer first opened up for the first two weeks. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Every, we didn't have anything like lined up or finished or whatever, so it would take everybody got there at the same time and everybody left at the same time, but you would get there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon pretty much and then be there till like 4 o'clock in the morning or later. Yeah. And it was a lot, so they are like, yeah, we need to get more people on and hire them up. And uh, I want to say Patrick and Kate both came through in that second wave. Okay, and, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I knew he was there towards the beginning. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, because he was like you also. Oh, sweet. In regard Patty. to uh, getting you the get, high ABVs. Yeah, 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 baby. Yeah. But I talked to him a while back and uh, I'm going to get him on here. And then one time, we need to get both of you on here yeah. at the same time. <laughs> that and, would be and, great. And hear some man. stories. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, this is this just popped up in my mind because okay. of uh, 4th of July. So Patrick, man, he's so incredibly talented, and he's a great artist. And 
you wouldn't know it. And then one night we were just sitting at work finishing up the night, and it was a Fourth of July, and <laughs> Patrick just got the urge to draw some big veiny triumphant piece if you know what i mean <laughs> it, had, it had an eagle on the head oh, it okay. had an american flag uh in a twisted part <laughs> i'll see if i can pull the picture up and i'll send it to you oh, okay. it's hilarious oh but, so you have a photo of oh it. i took a picture of him posted okay. on facebook that was so okay. glorious i could not put that triumphant did he did there. he draw this on a napkin or what dude it was a piece of register tape and it took oh, him like geez. 10 minutes so wow. yeah i mean it was a foot and a half long piece of register tape so if you know what i mean he's he, he put some effort into that bad boy and it was uh it <laughs> he but he did that on a regular basis like whether he was just drawing somebody's face or just drawing whatever when we were finishing up at the end of the night and I mean, it shows through in his spirits as well. So he, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Rollins Distillery puts out some good stuff, and uh, he's he's just a good dude, man. Oh, like yeah. I really, really enjoy. And he that has a guy. great accent. He does, man. He does. <laughs> like uh, there's so many people from that uh, from that era and point in my life that I considered friends to this day. Yeah. And whether that's somebody that I met at the bro- at the bar itself and just served them. Or if I worked with them, and it, when I said it was some of the best times of my life as far as like work experience goes, yeah. it's top notch. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I can fully believe that. So, yeah, we'll we'll get back together, get Patrick in here with you, and uh, maybe we can get we some Changalang in here too. Oh man. yeah, me, Patty, yeah. and Chang. Yeah, well, I'll just turn it. Up. I've only got three microphones right now, but hey, hey, we'll I'll find turn it over. One. It's right, fine. We'll share one. We can. Me and Patty will share this. Yeah, one. yeah, we can do that. Okay, appreciate well, it, buddy. Good deal, brother. Absolutely, man. Okay, we'll do. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for having me. Yep. And I'm a two-ton wrecking ball filled with pain And I got a lot to say Oh, when I'm still feeling good from yesterday So stand up If you're right on the crown Get down Make the doctor proud Stand up If you're right on the crown Get down Make the doctor proud Well, I don't know everything But I sure wish I did But then every time I catch a case I wouldn't pop off so much After the lid I have my